Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. I am Brandon Laws, your host. Hey, thanks for all the downloads lately, the sharing on social media, reaching out to me, all that stuff. We also could use some more five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So please go there, give us a review. It would be really helpful. It helps us book great guests, by the way, and it helps people find the podcast. So want to keep growing this thing and keep transforming workplaces. So anything that you can do to spread the word would be great for us. In today's episode, we have a conversation with David Lee Jensen. He is the author of the book, The Naked Interview, Hiring Without Regret. I had a really fun discussion with David. For one, his book is really laid out in a really practical way to give hiring managers and HR people the tools and resources to find great people, but also like work through the, you know, whittle down the candidate pool, the interview process, finding the right fit. There's a lot of great questions that he outlines in the book, a lot of great tips and advice. Anyways, the conversation is amazing too. Both things together are going to be really valuable to you as we try to become better hiring managers and find the right people for our organizations. Because honestly, like the people that we bring in, you know, for better or for worse, could like really transform the culture. So you don't want to make a bad hire and ruin your culture. You want to bring in somebody that obviously has the right skill set for what you need. It's going to be aligned with your values in the way that you want to behave. So I encourage you to listen to this full interview and then go grab the book. It's under 10 bucks on Kindle. So I encourage you to do that. Enjoy the episode with David Lee Jensen, the author of The Naked Interview, Hiring Without Regret. Hey, David, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Brandon. Looking forward to what you're going to dig in on. Yeah, we're going to dig in on your book, The Naked Interview, Hiring Without Regret. You open the book really interesting. You talk about a 911 call you made as a child. When I'm reading the title of the book, and then I see that to start, how does that all relate? And it sounded scary. (laughs) I'll let you tell listeners what that was all about. Oh, man. All right, good. So one, the naked interview hiring without regret. Naked was really inspired by Sir Richard Branson and his, you know, virgin line and virgin titles and attracting such attention like that. And I said, okay, good. If I'm going to write a book on hiring, it's going to be more like the naked truth and just strip down bare bone basics. And I make it really clear. I'm not an HR attorney. I don't claim to be one and I don't play one on TV. So just take my advice as one layman's idea. Then as far as the 911 call, really, that's just where my journey or what have you, my discovery of the people you choose change the trajectory of your business and your life. And that began with being an abused child from a stepfather and needing to, at some point, make the decision that that was it, that was enough. And I wanted to survive and survive better than my mother and I were at the time. So on one occasion, had to literally shaking at the top of the stairs, call 911. And that was a turning point in my life. And it kind of led to my whole discovery later in life of, great, how do you choose people correctly? And how could a mistake like that be avoided for relationships or for the workplace? And I learned a whole lot along the way. And now I have built you know, big companies with amazing culture and had an amazing family of my own. I've been married for 28 years. 
and have two children who have now gone off onto their own entrepreneurial ventures. And we're a testament that it can be done with some good research and hard work. I'm sorry that all happened to you. <laughs> it's luckily a long time ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, but luckily a lot of good came from it too. And I think the parallel that you're making between, you know, that wasn't even your choice as having a stepdad that was abusive. And oftentimes when we're sitting in the workplace, we don't get a chance to choose our coworkers. And sometimes that wrong hire could really ruin the culture. And I think your point that if we go through a great hiring process and align it with our values and all these things that make a good hire, you feel more in control about the people that you're bringing in, right? Most definitely. I think culture, just even in its definition, includes the entirety of the group. And so I really, and I talk about it in the book and I talk about it in our online courses or whatever, to make sure that there is some process. It doesn't mean that you need somebody you know, low on the organizing chart to be making decisions of who your next VP is. But most certainly, if you're bringing somebody into an area that's successful and you're going to add in a new boss or a new core you know, development team member or something of that sort, they should at least meet the other team members ahead of time. And you should be willing to get some feedback from your team so that you know that's going to be a smooth transition and that's going to help you expand even further. David, you wrote, it was funny because I pulled out this line because I had recently stated it to a colleague the other day, but you wrote that you joked with employees about saying, I wish I could clone you. I wish I had 10 of you. And I kind of looked at that as in, <laughs> you know, if you had the right hiring process and you went through all the right steps, don't you believe it's possible that we could replicate ourselves in a way if we knew the right questions to ask, the right behaviors, and you could sort of replicate? I mean, it's not going to be a clone, obviously, but don't you believe that that's possible? It's amazing because I wrote this book back in like 2012, <laughs> and I've learned <laughs> a lot since then. Good. <laughs> and I don't know that I would say it quite the same. I mean, the intention is the same, right? But being an entrepreneur and growing my own companies and such now, I really see that usually the best hire to make is not necessarily a clone of you. Because if you just bring in a clone of you, it's going to have the same strengths and the same weaknesses, and it's going to challenge the weaknesses remaining there as these dark chasms of, you know, black holes. Yeah. And I really believe now in learning through, you know, trial and experience, like I don't pretend to be, you know, like Ariana Huffington called me the hiring guru. And I was like, oh no, that's a curse. I'm not a guru, right? I don't know better than everybody else. I really believe that there's still a whole lot to learn. And I learned from, you know, Joe Polish and others that if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room, right? Mm -hmm. But hiring somebody who's just a clone of you, I now believe is a mistake. I believe that <laughs> yeah. I hire for the biggest weaknesses I have so that those people come in and make me and our organization look a lot better. Yeah. And I think most people would say the clone thing just because they think they have the skills in this particular area. And if they just replicate themselves, that it could be an effective organization. But that's just a short-sighted view. It's more of a joke. I mean, I think we understand that diversity of opinions and ideas and behaviors is good. And this is what makes up the culture. If you had everybody thinking the exact same way with the same weaknesses, that'd be a disaster. It would totally be. Now, I do believe that 
with regards to the second interview process or along the way in the hiring process that you should have the like-minded people and the strengths of an area, make sure that those people are involved in the interview process. An example, if you're hiring somebody into your accounting division, mm. I wouldn't have your top sales guy interview him or her. Yeah, <laughs> It would be, you know, he'd be like, hey, how's it going? Da, 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 da. And he'd be like, wow, you know, they're really quiet and introverted and I don't think they'd work here at all. Whereas if you had your top, you know, administrative person interview them, they make a wow, they have a perfect attention to detail and they're very strong in this skill and that skill. And that would be a better fit to find those strengths and weaknesses. When you're working with employers, what are some questions that you would ask them to determine whether or not they had a hiring problem, whether or not they know it? Wow, that's a really good question. I think what they really get asked is, are they accomplishing their objectives without having to, you know, bypass or dive into the areas? Like, are they stuck in within the organization in some area? Because every business owner whether you know they love their job or not, or love their product or not, they always need and want to pull back a little bit just so they can have some time and attention for other things in their life, or just to start predicting the future of the company and strategizing for that. But I often find that business owners are just jammed in one area, and they don't realize it because they're so good at it that if you can point that out to them really clearly, if you can ask them, what is your day-to-day -day like? Then you start to find that they're stuck in some area of, oh yeah, I'm involved in every single one of the marketing pieces and I really like to have mm -hmm. it a personal flair for me and this. And you realize like all they're doing is being the chief marketing officer because their team is not strong enough to support them or some other area of the organization. You have a whole section about the 10 truths to hiring. And as you mentioned, you wrote this back in 2012. So maybe your stance on some of these have changed a little bit, but I wanted to dive through just a few of them. Not at all. They're the truth. Good. Okay. Come on, okay. man. <laughs> I want to poke holes in some of them and then get your uh -oh. reaction. Here so this go. is going to be great. So truth number one, use diligence, not desperation. You said that you should never rush into a hiring a prospective candidate. Use diligence, not desperation. But I wanted to get your reaction on is I feel like in today's market where there's this perceived talent shortage, is it right to take our time to find the right candidate and not seem desperate? Because what if we lose out on great hires? I know candidates, they get irritated oh, by a man. slow process. And this may change based on what kind of market we have. Set it yourself already. You kind of just like... You jumped off the cliff and you didn't bring your parachute, man. <laughs> you said it right there. There is this perceived yeah, lack of resources. It. It's just not true. You know, it's just not true. Like, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Use diligence, not desperation. Be diligent, not desperate. However you want to phrase it. Look, you spend more time, whether you like to admit it or not, but pretty much every single listener to your podcast is going to laugh. But the fact is you spend more time at work than you do at home. And if you're going to bring somebody into the organization, would you give them the front door key to your house? Hell no. Not a chance. Hell no, you say. Okay, good. Then why would you like, you know, yeah. hire the first person with a big smile and a handshake? Yeah. Because your work is your home. If you're a business owner, 
this is your livelihood. This is your future. This is your family's future. And oh my Lord, you know, I give the example because it so resonates with most people, which is, look, you've got a favorite restaurant, right? You got a place that you love to go because you love the food, you love the atmosphere, and probably you love the service. And what happens the day some jerk becomes your waiter and ruins your experience there? Do you want to go back there? Probably no. That could destroy a business, right? So if you just take your time and you make sure you've got the right fit and you get excited about something, someone, then that's not only going to be a great hire for your business, but you know, look at the other side, the candidate. I would far rather go into a business, interview for a job and have them say, wow, this really went terrific. I want you to come back and meet the VP. And then after that person, rather than just once again being hired on the spot, I'd rather them say, hey, can you come in and you know, work this project we have going on Friday so that we can kind of you know, acclimate you with the team? Wow, that's great. These people really care about me. They care that my talents are going to be valuable to the organization. And I'm more likely to stick in that position than if I walk in and they go, okay, yeah, resume looks good. Here, fill out this paperwork <laughs> and you start on Monday at 9 a.m. You don't feel valued at all. So I'm sticking with that one. I win round one. Shoot, Brandon. <laughs> no, that was great. I'm glad you stated it that way. No, I believe in what you're saying too. So I just had to play devil's cool. advocate, David. It's totally okay. And my wife always said, boy, did you cop out there? You know, because <laughs> in the beginning of the Ten Truths, I say, now these are not, you know, the Ten Commandments. They're not etched in stone. They're just my personal Ten areas that I believe are most important in hiring. Yep. You may have some tricks of the trade that you use that you can add to these, yeah. or you have some that you would subtract. But you know, I had to stake my claim. No, that's good. So <laughs> truth number four, an interview uh -oh. is a tug of war. So Paul, what do you mean by that? Okay. And that's an interesting chapter. I think I give an example of burning down the break room. You got to find out, like I find when I listen in, often when I go into an organization to help with their hiring process, I will listen in on some of their interviews to see what type of process are they applying or are they not applying your process? Are they just meeting somebody, shaking their hand, asking them, you know, why do you want a job? Because what occurs is that people get trained. They get trained by these, you know, big recruiting firms and they come in and they say things like, hey, Brandon, I want a career, not just a job. And they'll say it like 12 times during an interview because that's what they were drilled to say. And they know because that's what you're listening for. That's what you're looking for. You want somebody who wants to come be a long-term employee. You're mm -hmm. sick and tired of the hiring process, right? Yeah. So someone says that and suddenly you ignore the fact that they say, yeah, you know, after getting in a fist fight with my supervisor, I decided it was time to jump from that, you know, like... <laughs> And instead of saying, wow, what led to that, you know, or this and that or the other, you just kind of let that go because he wants a career, not just a job, right? Yeah. So I always say, you know, pull that string, that little thing that's dangling there when they say, you know, it wasn't just a right fit. Well, you were there for four years. So what was not quite a right fit about it? Well, you know, my supervisor and I, you know, had disagreements along the way. Well, when did that begin? Because you were there for four years, right? And just be willing to push the envelope and find out what they're really talking about. And then they'll say something like, you know, I flirted with his wife, you know, boom, or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. 
And suddenly you now can get a deeper view of that person. Or maybe it's something that occurred to them and they're embarrassed and they didn't want to tell about it. And actually they're a really good person. And they found out that, you know, their supervisor was embezzling from the company. And when they pointed it out, they became the fall guy or who knows, but always just, you know, find out what it is. Keep pulling until you know, because if you leave an interview and you're like, hmm, I'm not so sure about what he said, and you just let it go, you're never going to know, and you're going to leave that mystery there. Hey guys, it's Brandon here, your host of Transform Your Workplace. And I wanted to say that today's episode is sponsored by Pat Live. Did you know that 76% of customers hang up if they don't reach a live person? I mean, that's insane. And 85% of customers won't call back after an unanswered call. Stop forfeiting your business to your competitors because of missed calls. PatLive offers 24-7 live answering services, so you can spend less time following up and more time growing your business. And unlike many other live answering services, they're open 365 days a year. Their friendly and professional agents are all located in the United States and provide all the benefits of a personal receptionist at a fraction of the cost. They offer fully customizable scripts and call handling experiences to fit your business needs and fit seamlessly in with your brand. PatLive is more than just an answering service. Whether you need assistance on nights and weekends, overflow call handling, or full coverage, PatLive has you covered. They offer everything from message taking, call screening and transfers, to lead collection, appointment scheduling, order processing, and so much more. According to business.com, PatLive is the best answering service for small businesses in 2020. With PatLive's virtual receptionists, you can turn more callers into customers, take better care of your clients, and improve your team's ability to focus and be productive. And now, for a limited time only, PatLive is offering listeners of this podcast 15% off their regularly listed rates. This offer is only available over the phone, so give them a call now at 866-708-2507. That's 866-708-2507. And mention this podcast for more information or visit patlive.com. Make every call count with PatLive. That's a great point. And I think with the point you're making about pulling more out of it, I think a lot of people probably aren't comfortable doing it on the fly and they're not sure what they're looking for. I think just doing it a lot is probably going to help somebody like with me in podcasting. You know, it took me a lot of time to figure out my footing on like asking follow-up questions to something that you might have said. And I think with hiring, it's kind of the same thing in an interview process. If you're going to really pull some of that stuff out, you got to just get comfortable doing it, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, we can see you're comfortable with it saying, you know, like, I'm going to poke some holes in your dangerous. That's good, man. I like it. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to poke holes in this one. So truth number seven. Oh, that's good. Here we go. Trust your gut feeling. It's on my mind right now. So I just interviewed Gleb Sapersky. He wrote a book called uh-huh. Don't Go With Your Gut. And so you said, trust your gut feeling. But my whole thing I could go both ways because I have this intuition about me too. Like we all have this gut. A lot of it's based on emotion. But what if others in the hiring process have a different gut feeling than you? And with gut feelings, don't cognitive biases play a role in all this? So if like you have a gut feeling about somebody who you're interviewing, what if it was something that you liked about them 
that maybe they just went to the same college as you. And so there's a bias that you have. So what do you say to this whole gut feeling? And maybe you mean something different than how I'm kind of stating it. Well, you know, it's funny. And now I'm making myself guilty of disclaimers, right? <laughs> but the fact is, is that if you've done the entire interview process, if you've, you know, checked your references, if you've made sure that you left no stones unturned, if you've had them come through the workplace, you know, and done the tour, and you have checked out their skills or whatever, now your gut is an educated gut. And that's when to trust your gut feeling. It's not on just the first smile and the handshake and like, oh, wow, you know, he went to my school or whatever. It's now that your gut is educated. Now trust your gut. Like, okay, good. You've done your process. There's a results to that process, which is, hey, maybe you don't love what school he went to, or maybe you don't love or, you know, or she, or maybe you don't feel like you would go to a barbecue with this person. However, your gut, which is now educated, shows that they've got the skills. They're willing to go into the areas that you're not willing to go into. They, you know, get along with others. They have great previous products, like they've gotten things done for previous companies in the area that you want them in. And so now your gut's got to, you know, supersede any emotional relationship that's into the process and just go, good, this is the right pick. And, you know, there you go. Yeah, I think it's well stated. So you're basically saying that when you go with your gut, it's like the whole process of interviewing and even probably reference checkings over. You've got all the facts in front of you. You've probably talked with your team and all the players that are going to work with this person. And then you go with your gut feeling based on all that information. Absolutely. So it is a bit of a cop out. I get it. But, you know, it sounded great. Yeah. <laughs> truth number nine, you got to grill the references. What if the references don't give you much? I think a lot of people are worried. I know I've been called for reference checks and I'm always worried about saying certain things. So what questions can you ask to tease out the things that you're looking for in a candidate? You know, it's one of the biggest areas that companies, one, skip altogether. Really? The amount of companies no don't check references. Oh, it's unbelievable. And what's great is because I follow my own truths, I always play the tug of war. So when I'm talking to somebody in HR, I'm like, so cool. And now uh, what do you ask on reference checks? Well, you know, when we do them, we do blah, blah. Now, wait, you said when you do them. How often do you do them? You know, like I just keep pulling and pulling and pulling until they go, okay, we don't really check references. We call their mom, you know, or something like that. It is like ridiculous. But I will tell you that it is shocking and true that the vast majority don't call references because along the way, they've had either like your experience saying, you know, I'm afraid to ask the wrong thing or I'm afraid of what they're going to say or you know, there's just all sorts of reasons why when you pull down why they didn't call or they feel like it's, oh, it's his cousin or his brother or it's a lie or somebody's covering for them or all these weird things and they just don't believe they can get a true reference. Plus a lot of companies, you know, and like I said, I'm not an HR attorney. I'm not, you know, a legal reference. However, I truly believe that it's not necessarily against the law to answer reference questions. It's not against the law to say, hey, he actually got terminated for just cause, or hey, he you know, only lasted a week here, or hey, he did not get along well with others, you know, something of that sort, right? That, you know, I would definitely side check exactly what your responses could be with your local HR, you know, authority and attorney. However, 
most companies have policies that say, look, on reference checks, we're going to cover, you know, CYA. And what we're going to tell you, you can say is how long they've worked there, how much money they made, you know, dependent on, you know, what the company is and, you know, what their position was or something like that. And that's it. So in my book, (laughs) what I suggest is that one, you're really understanding that that is company policy. So when you call to check references with the, you know, HR secretary or, you know, whether it's the senior or an underling or, you know, whatever it is, just really establish a rapport. Hi, this is my own business. This is like my family. My future depends on this. I'm bringing on this guy to do marketing. And if we don't change our marketing strategy, we're not going to make it. And I need your help to just know that, you know, he suddenly disappeared from your company after four Mm -hmm. years. Is there something I need to know? You know, that's going to be a lot different with an HR manager than just saying, hi, I'm checking references on John Doe, you know, and they're going to be like, oh, John Doe was here for four years. He was the deputy vice president of marketing. And yeah, he, you know, left three months ago and his salary was, you know, just below six figures. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Now you know nothing. (laughs) You framed it up perfectly. The first example is great. Like you almost make it an emotional thing. Like, look, this is an important hire. I need to know. Like, <laughs> you just like grill them. You're still talking to yeah. a human being, right? That's like, exactly right. the real person. And I've even had times where, you know, you could tell the person was like withdrawing, withholding, not saying all or whatever. And I've been like, you know, look, Lucy, if you could just help me out a little bit, I'm sorry, you know, company policy is that. Look, Lucy, would you go to a barbecue with the guy? <laughs> and she's like, yes, he's such a great guy. We really miss oh. him. Thank you, Lucy. Have a nice day. Click, boom, got my reference. I love it. Yep. You see? Or, or no, he brought a baseball bat to work, you know, or something <laughs> or, like We're all okay, afraid of him. Telling me that. Yeah, exactly. And you can get that from somebody if you just have a live communication with them and you don't handle it rotely. Once again, it circles back to truth one. Be diligent, not desperate. You bring up like a really, really good point in section two of the book. And it's a determination of whether you should hire somebody or you should simply reorganize. What's a great way to analyze whether you should make a new hire or if you should just shift resources? It wasn't really clear to me in that particular chapter if there's like questions you should ask yourself, if there's a strategy. What's your thought on that? And how do you evaluate it? Yeah, I think that varies greatly. I mean, I've spoken at, you know, Fortune 50 companies and consulted with some, you know, really ginormous organizations with, you know, tens of thousands of employees. And then I've also worked with, you know, one-on-one new entrepreneurs who are like, I'm about to make my first hire, you know, what should I do? So the answer to that question is definitely different at different levels, but I believe it always comes back to profitability, cost expenditure, or just straight like workload, right? And I think in the book, you know, I say something of like, you know, if Dan is not cutting it and Nancy is doing a similar job to Dan and could actually pick up all the responsibilities, you know, once Dan is like, oh, rather than hiring a replacement for Dan, give Nancy a 10%, 20% raise because that's going to save you 80% of, you know, 
Dan's salary that's now, you know, going to be replaced or not. And she'll now jump in front of a train for you. I mean, she's going to be so excited to now have more responsibility and to be making more money and to be contributing more. That's how you build a culture. Not by saying, oh, don't worry, Nancy, we'll get somebody else to help you out, right? It really grants kind of a more importance to Nancy's position if, you know, if that's a realistic expansion, mm -hmm. right? So one of these things that has been on my mind a lot lately, and you illustrated it in the book pretty well too. So like if an employer has a bunch of candidates, mm -hmm. just depends on probably the size and the amount of pool that they totally. have. But how do you pare down the pool without missing some of the diamonds in the rough. Because I worry that hiring managers, HR people, we're relying too much on these tools and systems like applicant tracking systems to filter out people based on keywords. What if we miss somebody? What if we miss somebody that's going to be a better fit? And I mean, what if we're not asking the right questions? How do we pare <laughs> down the candidate pool without screwing ourselves, in other words? Totally, totally. You know, and it's funny, I have heard more like woo-woo answers to this, like, you know, it just wasn't kismet. It, um, you know, it wasn't meant to be, blah, blah, blah. But really, my answer is, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, mean, I really can't give you an honest answer because the fact is, is that, you know, it happens every day. And, you know, I meet people. One of the things I do in my recruiting process is, Totally, totally. Like people are always like, did you really do that? Like when I worked at a banking company, our vice president of sales had been my Starbucks barista. No way. Swear to God. Wow. Absolutely. Completely true. I would go to Starbucks every day on the way to the office. And I saw this woman and she was a manager and she would run control on each of the employees where usually Starbucks is a bit of a crazy house, in my opinion. <laughs> like the place is a madhouse, especially at like 6.30, 7.30 a.m. And she just was like unfazed and was, you know, happy with everybody and just very good control. Hey, did you not get him his pumpkin spice latte? Good. Will you move over here? Good. Okay, you. Hey, by the way, can we get some more of this here? Blah, blah, blah. Hi. Someone's going to be right with you. But, but, but like she just was so competent and I just saw it. And one day I finally, after, you know, forever being in there, I slid my business card and I said, hey, I don't know what it is that you do, you know, besides being here. But if, you know, you're looking for a career at some point and she literally looked at me and she's like, I just graduated. I'm looking to get into the financial arena, this, that, and the other. Thank you so much for the opportunity came by, interviewed, and then, you know, started at ground level and worked her way up. And she ended up being the vice president of sales. And she was one of the best hires oh. ever. But it was because of just observation of the individual. And, you know, so sometimes, you know, people who have been waiters, people who have been you know, barristers, people who have been, you know, service. I hired my Comcast, you know, installer as well. He came to my house, he kept running into trouble, couldn't get a signal from, you know, I don't remember if it was Comcast or what other cable company it was. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, right? But, you know, he couldn't get the signal working. It was after six o'clock now. He wants to get home to his family. He's, you know, keeping a level head. I hear him on the phone with the office and he's like, okay. However, I'm still in the Jensen's home and they really would like to have that service clicked and I don't see a signal going and I'm not going to leave without the signal there. Okay, well, can you check with your, like he was just so level-headed and so willing to stay and help me and to get the results that was needed and wanted and that he came to 
deliver. And he didn't just bail and go, you know, I just talked to the home office and the signal should show up in a half Bye. hour and I'm going to take off now. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> you know? So uh, he ended up being like a customer service manager at our company after I gave my business card and said, hey, if you'd like to come work on the phones for us, I think you've got a real smooth style. And, you know, later his, you know, wife thanked me in tears at our Christmas party of, you know, our whole lives have changed because he has this stable and expanding employment situation. Yeah. It goes back to that truth. Number one, use diligence, not desperation, right? It's like you were paying attention to the skill sets you probably needed and you weren't desperate, but you're just like, hey, you want an opportunity to expand your career? Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Let's kind of end the conversation with, I want to just go over that first interview, give people some action items uh, when they're going through the process. In a perfect world, what's the process like from how we follow up and reach out and how people arrive and how we should treat them? Give me a little step by step. Interesting. Okay. So the whole process, you know, starts obviously with resumes review and going through. And like you said, and I know I dodged that question as far as, you know, what can you do to make sure that you're not missing out on candidates? But like I talk about, you know, weeding through the resumes, looking for something that resonates with you, looking for, you know, the language it's written in, the added benefits to the resume that are not just bullet point, and just kind of sliding them. You know, if you've got 100 resumes, good, then start sliding, you know, one to the right, one to the left. Left is the trash pile, right is the keep pile. And kind of go down and then look, okay, good. Did we get it down to 80? Did we get it down to 50? Okay, good. Now throw that other pile out and now go through this pile. Okay, good. Can we get it down to, you know, 10 candidates or something? Great. Now make phone calls. Call those people on the phone. Don't waste your time by setting an appointment having a long interview, and it's a complete pass. Call them up, listen to them. You know, do they know who you are and even what the position is? Have they done any research or did they just send out their resume blindly? In that case, good, it's a pass. Move that resume back to that left pile. Move on to the next one, right? Until you reach somebody who's like, wow, I really appreciate that you called. I've always been interested in working at Ringer. Please, you know, see my resume. I have experience of 100 podcast episodes myself. Great. This is somebody you're going to bring in for sure, right? Now, now they come in, right? And we even had our receptionist part of the interview yeah. process. Our receptionist would greet everyone and start conversation with them to see how they treated normal people, right? And when they weren't like, on camera in front mm -hmm. of the interviewer. And it was a great, like a first test because I would come out and the receptionist would say, oh, hey, Mr. Jensen, by the way, the coffee's really sour. Don't have a cup of coffee today. And I'd be like, wow, thanks. And then I bring them in and I would know that that candidate was rude Wow. And so I would absolutely right from the get-go have like, you know, some sort of questioning of, you know, looking do they feel they're more important than others? Did they have trouble in their last position because of how they controlled their employees or what have you? Or, you know, I'd go up to the desk and she'd say, oh, by the way, the coffee's really sweet today. I think there's like a hazelnut <laughs> in it or something. And I'd be like, wow, thank you very much. And I know that person was sweet. Or she'd say, it's really bitter. Or, you know, I don't think the coffee's ready yet, <laughs> you know, which meant like they were late. <laughs> oh my gosh, you, <laughs> you guys know, have like, said a code words. I love it. 
we had a total code word going on. And it was great because it kind of, you know, helped me in an interview process, you know, know where to direct my line of questioning. I love that. So there's a couple tricks. Yeah, those are great <laughs> tricks. And I want to just encourage the people listening, like, you have so many great questions to ask throughout the book, too. So like, in all the sections, you tend to have a lot of questions, a lot of them behavioral, some of them teasing out skill sets and things like that. Not all cleared by an attorney at law. Okay, let's yes. just make that clear. <laughs> That's a disclaimer. Totally fine. Thank I you very much. Appreciate it. But there's some really good ideas in there too, and a lot of stuff we didn't talk about too. But there's a lot of uh, great like culture fit, work environment questions. You also talk about uh, personality assessments and things like that too. So it's a well structured book. I really appreciate you coming on, David. Where do you want to drive people to? where they can learn more about you and anything that you're up to. I know you have a conference coming up, so maybe talk about that. Cool. Thanks, Brandon. And I also wanted to, so that I don't forget, it gets recorded. Thank you so much for reading the book. I've been on so many podcasts and different interviews where, you know, even on TV interviews where they hold up and they go, oh, this is the book. And they really have no <laughs> clue what it's about. So I really appreciate you taking that. Hey, you're welcome, David. Attention because I did write it to help others. I really looked at, okay, good. What is my unique ability? And bringing in the right people is definitely one of those. And so I wanted to share that knowledge so that it could help others where that's their weakness. So thanks a lot. I appreciate that. You're welcome. After writing the book, I developed an online course called The Hiring Academy. That's at hiringacademy.com. And that allows people to turn it into actionable and predictable steps right off of an online course. It's virtual training. So they can always check out Hiring Academy. My personal Instagram is at David Lee Jensen. As I'm a serial entrepreneur, I've got three or four different ventures. Because of the success with the Naked Interview and the Hiring Academy, I was able to become an entrepreneur and to spend 10 years with my children that I wasn't going to an office every day and punching a clock for someone else. And I feel that that has so enhanced my life that I wanted to share entrepreneur skills and abilities and actionable steps with others. So I have a new book coming out called Create Your Future. And I have a conference actually at the end of March, March 27th and 28th. It's called the Create Your Future Conference. And it's to help uh, new entrepreneurs become authors, speakers, coaches, and online marketers. So that's what I've got going on. Just check out at David Lee Jensen, and you can find all of that there. David Lee Jensen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed our discussion and uh, a lot of fun. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate you. You're doing a great job with this. Thanks.